You can be seated if you'd like. I suppose you could stand through this, the message if you'd like to do that. But how good to be with you today. I'm uh, Dick Bishop, Pastor Dick, and um, I've not had as much opportunity to worship with you as I would like because I've been involved in Sunday school in, the, in this hour, but um, that's changed for now, and um, I'm just really glad to be with you this morning. I want to share a scripture with you that is really powerful. It's one of the most powerful scriptures in the New Testament. And it's found in Colossians 1, starting in verse 15. Um, Paul, when he wrote this, wrote it in a poetic form. And when writers of scripture use poetry, there's a reason for it. They're wanting us to remember it. And poetry, uh, in any language, just reinforces and makes strong the message. And this is a, a powerful message. So um, would you bring that up? And I'd like for you to actually read this out loud with me. Would you do that? So look at the screen and let's do it together. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Now there's a little more to that poem that we didn't um, uh, look at today, and you can look at that on your own, but um, this is what we need to focus on today. I'd like you to go back to verse 15, if you would, and we're going to work our way through this passage. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now when you read that, I, for me that's a little disturbing because I'm thinking Christ was not born. He, he always has been. Uh, that's the definition of God and we know that Christ is God and he was always in existence. Well Paul didn't make a mistake. It wasn't that he forgot that Christ had, had been from the very beginning. But he uses the word firstborn because in, in his culture, the firstborn child in a family was the most important. He got double the inheritance when his father passed away. He also got double the work because the responsibilities of the family clan then, then went to him. And so the firstborn in that society was viewed as the most important. And so when Paul says the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, he's saying Jesus Christ is the most important being in all creation. And that's true because one day we're going to stand at his feet in heaven and we're going to worship him throughout eternity. He is the firstborn, the most important over all creation. Let's go on to the next verse. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, 
All things have been created through him and for him. Again, when I first began to think about this passage, I was thinking, now this is playing with my my concept of how creation uh, happened. I've sort of thought that God the Father did all the creating and that Jesus came along later and did other things. But as I read scripture, and you'll see this in John as well, the first chapter, Jesus was also involved in creation. Nothing was created that wasn't created through him. And so Jesus is absolutely God. And he created all things. He was involved in creation. Let's go on to the next verse. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Have you discovered in your life that in Christ all things hold together? Have you, have you discovered that? And when, when he's not at the center and we're kind of in control, things don't hold together, do they? We need Jesus at the center of everything, of this church, of our personal lives. When he's there, all things hold together. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. And let's, let's finish that verse. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. But I want us to go back to the first part of that verse. And he is the head of the body, the church. When I've read this, I've tended to think, I know what that means. Um, all of our big corporations in America have heads. They have CEOs. Um, IBM has a CEO. General Motors has a CEO. You know, smaller companies even have CEOs. And they pretty much call the shots. They, they uh, lead the board meetings, and uh, they report to the shareholders, and they're the, uh, the drivers behind these organizations. And I tended to think, well, that's what is being talked about here. But look at how he said it. He didn't say, and he is the head of the church. He said, and he is the head of the body, the church. And so the picture he's trying to leave with us is not a CEO of a large corporation. He's giving us a picture of the human body. As the head is to our body, Christ is to the church. How does that work? I have some friends that unfortunately have suffered uh, either brain injuries or strokes in life. One of them I was speaking to last week, and he was describing what happened to me when he had his stroke. He's a young man, and as a young man had a stroke that um, paralyzed the left side of his body. And he says, I'm looking at a sheet of paper like this, and my brain says, your left hand is the closest to that. Reach out and pick it up. And he says, as I think that thought, my arm doesn't move. It doesn't move. Something has happened in the connection between the brain and the arm. And it's not responding to the, 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 to the direction of the head. And that's, that's a sad thing. You know, it is for him. He has hopes that someday he's going to overcome that. And I... I hope that he does. In the church, 
It's a serious thing. When the body is no longer responding to the head, who is Christ. Because Christ is giving us signals all the time. Let me give you an example. My wife, just two weeks ago, broke her ankle. And uh, we, you know, she, she can't put any weight on it and all this kind of stuff. And it's really changed our life. Uh, but the day that she broke her ankle, one of her friends in Montana learned about it. She bought a ticket to Springfield and got on a plane the next day and was here on the second day of my wife's break. And she's still here today. She'll leave on Tuesday. Now, that was the head, God, Jesus, speaking to one of his members that another member needed help. And the body worked beautifully because she, Terry, our friend, responded to the Lord. She was connected and got the message. And so to be an effective body, we need to be hearing from the Lord and obeying and doing what he's asked us to do. And there's, there's many other examples we could use. Well, what is God saying to us right now in this transition and to us as individuals, even apart from the transition in the church? I think there's two really important things that he's saying to us. And you know how I know they're important? Because they were said on Jesus' last day on earth. My father passed away in 2014, and I happened to have been here. Uh, we were living here um, at the time, and I was so because I got to spend some time with my dad in his last years. And he was a very spiritual man, but he was not thinking much about heaven, even three days before he passed away. He was asking about who won the Cardinals game, and what was the latest score of this particular game? He was a real sports fanatic. And then on Monday, two days before he passed, we, were, we visited him. He spent five days in a, a care facility before he passed away. And he pulled me aside and he said, Dick, I want you to take care of Jackie. Jackie is my stepmom, or was my stepmom. And um, her sons lived elsewhere in the country, and she was in a care facility. She had dementia and Alzheimer's. And so he was, he was telling me, take care of her. Guess what I did after he passed? I took care of her. My sister and I, together, we visited her regularly. We advocated for her in her nursing home. If she wasn't getting the right kind of care, we were there. We did it for my dad. We loved her, but we did it for him. He told us, take care of Jackie. Well, Jesus said something like that, and here it is. John chapter 13. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
Jesus gave directives while he lived on this earth. And as I look back over things that he said in the Gospels, there were commands, but he never set it up quite like this in any other place. But here he said, this is, he didn't say, here's something for you to think about. Chew on this and see what you think. He didn't say, here's a suggestion. You know, if, if it can work, fine. If not, don't worry about it. No, he said, I'm giving you a new command. He's, he uses the word command like it was one of the Ten Commandments. He defended them in his ministry. He defended the, the commands of the Old Testament. And here he's saying, here's a new one. And so... It was not a suggestion. It wasn't chew on this and see what you think. Here's the command. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So we need to hear that today. Because that was a command not just to his disciples, it was to us. And... I don't know where you're at. Do you have anybody you don't love? Particularly in the body of Christ? Because that's, that's what Jesus was saying. He wasn't so much saying love people outside the church, although he certainly uh, taught that elsewhere. But in this particular case, he was saying love the people in the body of Christ, the people that you worship with the people that are part of your church. E.T., love the people of E.T. That's his command. Another one. This was not a command, but it happened the very same night. The night that he was betrayed, the night before he died. And he was praying. And somebody in the group overheard him. Maybe it was John, maybe it was someone else that told John, I don't know, but it's recorded in John. Somebody heard Jesus praying for them and also for us. Here's the verse. My prayer is not, this is Jesus, by the way, praying. Would you like to hear Jesus pray for you? My prayer is not for them alone. He's talking about his disciples. He had been praying for them in the first uh, 19 verses of this chapter. And then he changes. And he says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So he was thinking about people that the disciples would share the good news with, and then they would be believers. He's praying for them. And that means us, generations down the road. And here's the prayer that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So Jesus prayed that we would be one with one another in the body of Christ. It's not a command but it's like a command, isn't it? I mean, if you hear Jesus praying that you'll do something or be something, isn't that like a command? 
It is. We need to pay attention to that. Well, there's one thing that I think is going to be important to both of these things happening in our lives, loving one another and being one. And that is the word forgiveness. I'd like you to bring up the passage in Mark 11.25. Jesus had just performed a miracle. of um, He had told a fig tree never to bear fruit again, and the fig tree died overnight. And he's with his disciples there in the morning, and they're looking at it and saying, Lord, look at this. And he says, you'll do greater things than this if you believe in me. And then, at the end of that teaching, which seemed to be about faith, he inserts this. And he says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. Have you ever been praying and your mind starts going to somebody that you really don't like very much? I have to admit, I, that's me. And you, you wake up in your prayer five minutes later and you realize you, you're no longer praying. You're thinking about this person who really is not someone that you like. And God is saying, when you stand praying, forgive. So, During this time of transition at ET, our prayers are going to be so important. It's not just that we'll get the right person, but that we as a body of believers will be the right body, that will be a good mix for each other. And so, to do that, we need to forgive. To be the kind of people that God wants to use in a mighty way. And notice what he says in the end of that verse. You know, his reasoning was not just that we would be an effective body, but that our sins would be forgiven. I, I see some of my scholar friends in the audience today, and maybe you can help me on this, guys, but it seems to say here that our forgiveness is conditional unforgiving you know that's that's hard for me to even say because I've always taught that it's salvation is by grace through faith and that's it but here's a condition the thing is that forgiveness is such an important part of who we are Christ gave so freely when he went to the cross that he expects us to carry on that tradition, so to speak, that value in our lives that we become forgivers. In another passage in Matthew, after teaching his disciples how to pray and and, uh, what we often call the Lord's Prayer, he said this, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And then verse 15, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So, 
it's not just that we need to be a, an effective church, but we need to have our sins forgiven. And if we're holding somebody in unforgiveness, we stand unforgiven ourselves. That's a sad state to be in. So, here's the deal. It's hard. It's hard work. I'm not saying I've mastered it, but I'm working at it. Let me tell you about some people that I prayed for that, that I needed to forgive and to love. I didn't have either one of those down, and I certainly wasn't one with them. There were some people that I, I worked and lived with um, years ago. I remember walking around my neighborhood in the morning and praying, and I, these verses were, were on my mind, and I knew that I had to deal with forgiveness. And I had to love. And I, I didn't have the emotions within me. And so I began just by saying, God, I didn't know else, how else to pray. I said, God, bless this person. And bless his wife. And bless his, his children. And I named them all. And that's about all I could do the first time I started doing it. And I just kept repeating that day after day. And eventually, God gave me some more things to pray about these people. And I kept praying and I kept praying. And he helped me over a period of time to really forgive. I could honestly say, could see these people and have no feelings of animosity. God did a miracle. And it wasn't because I was so spiritual or great at prayer not at all, but he helped me, and he'll help you. If you'll start, if you'll just begin to ask God to help you to forgive and to start blessing that person instead of cursing them in your mind. And he'll help you love them. The neat thing, the neat part of the story is that years later, I got to work with this group of people in a more close way. And I found them to be delightful co-workers. I got along so well with them. And they were so supportive of me. I was amazed. I can go back to that city today and look them up. And we could have lunch together and just enjoy one another. God did that. I didn't do that. He did that. But you have to start. You have to be willing. So I want to encourage us today to do three things. Let's remember that Christ is our head, not the CEO. He's the head of a body. He's connected to us. And he's sending us two messages this morning, maybe three. And the two messages initially were to love one another, to be one, and to forgive. Can we do that? If we respond to his direction, we'll be like that friend of ours from Montana who heard about a need in her friend and was on a plane the next day. 
God wants to use you and he wants to use us to bring lots of healing to people. Let's begin by saying yes to him. I want to uh, share one thing with you that came out of our prayer committee this week as we were planning for our next prayer service. We were talking about how can we encourage prayer at ET during this time of transition. And we'd like to suggest something to you, and that is that um, we'd like for, I'd like to, to ask you to commit to praying for ET 15 minutes every day. One of the gals in our group is a young mom or younger than the rest of us, and we asked her and we said, can a young mom get 15 minutes all in one stretch to pray? She said, I couldn't when, I was, when my kids were little. But she said, I probably could have gotten five minutes three times a day. And uh, so she said, I think it's doable. I think we could do this. And uh, so I want to I challenge you. Would you pray 15 minutes a day for ET over this transition? Um, I'd like to ask you to do even more than just think about it. Would you take this card? It's in the seat rack in front of you. It says prayer on it. I think you can see it in all the tabs that are there. And then on the card, it's also on the screen, cut in half. We couldn't make it all work in one piece. So uh, the top part of the card has some lines. If you would just write on those lines, I will pray 15 minutes. And then over in the, uh, below it where the name and, and so forth is, just date it and write your name. And then at the end of the service, as you leave, there's a basket directly out from the door here in this lobby. There's also another basket in the west lobby. If you drop it in the basket, we will have a record of, of your being willing to pray. And here's, here's the deal. We're not going to send the prayer police after you if you don't fulfill it. Um, we just want to know that that's your heart and you're going to be doing it. Um, our goal is this. We believe that there's 160 people at ET that will commit to that. If that happens, that means that every day there would be 40 hours of prayer going up for ET. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? We'd like to see that happen. If you could be part of that, just take the card and say, I'll pray 15 minutes and write your name on it. Drop it in the, in the basket in the back or in the West Lobby. That'll be great. Thank you. One more thing. Today we'd like to close our service in a little different way. Um, I'd like to invite you to come to the front in just a minute of the church and stand. And what we're going to do is just take five to eight minutes of prayer together at the front. Uh, it, could, it could go a number of ways, but I just want to put you at ease. Nothing weird is going to happen, and you're not going to be embarrassed. We're not going to ask you to do anything or reveal anything. It's just a time to pray. Uh, years ago, we used to do this after our services. We would come to the front, and we would pray and seek God together. And there was something powerful about People standing together, seeking God together. And that's all we want to do. We just want to ask you to come, 
seek God for five to eight minutes. We'll have a prayer of benediction at the end of that time. We'll let you know when it's over, and then you can go. But um, would, you, would you mind playing? And as uh, Christy and the team play, I'd like to invite you to stand. If you can't stand for that long, um, there's some pews up here in the front. Just sit in one of the front pews, and uh, let's just get closer together. If you're in the balcony, we'll give you time to come on down and join us. And, um, if you don't feel comfortable doing this, no pressure. But um, if you do, I'd like to invite you to come down. And let's just pray. Maybe it's praying about forgiveness or praying about loving someone or being united with people in the body of Christ. Um, I hope that that's part of your prayer too. Let's come.